it really took me until I got ill to realize I had choices. Like I stayed in relationships in my 20s I shouldn't have done. And I stayed in living situations which were a bit toxic that I shouldn't have done. And I stayed in this job, even though I love the people and I love the agency, it was not serving me. It was burning me out. It was pushing me. It was not supporting me. I honestly did not realize until my late 20s that I had choices, Mm -hmm. that I could walk away from these things. And I was just one of these people that were like, I was a very, and I kind of maybe got this from my like parents, like if it's good on paper, a tick box approach. Like if the pros outweigh the cons, stick in it. But w- there might be like seven ticks for pros and only one for con, but that con is so huge and toxic and rubbish, it outweighs all those seven ticks. Welcome to the Female Leadership Collective podcast. I'm your host, Susie Clark. On the show, we're all about helping high-achieving women authentically find purpose and build fulfilling careers. I believe that the key to happiness is channeling our talents into something we really deeply care about. That's why I left my six-figure banking job in London, moved to Asia, and now run my own mission-led business in paradise. I found purpose and happiness in my life, and I want to empower you to do the same. On the show, we talk all things leadership, career, entrepreneurship, mindset, femininity, anything and everything high achieving women go through on this journey of finding purpose in life. Hey everyone, welcome to my second interview and this week I'm chatting with Camilla. She is one of my best Uh, best Bali girlfriends and she is also a Brit we've been loving the Brits lately and we're talking all about stress and burnout because I think this topic is such an interesting one because I think a lot of us uh, when we're on paths that we don't necessarily enjoy or when we're in corporate jobs we are in a chronic state of stress and sometimes as high achievers it's really hard for us to notice when we're actually in stress and when we're not because we constantly push ourselves so we're having this conversation around stress and burnout and Camilla lives in Bali she comes from a corporate advertising background in London she suffered severe exhaustion and stress after being pushed to the limit in her corporate job that she actually collapsed at work, which is awful. Um, but this led her to reevaluating her priorities. And she ultimately, she moved to Bali, got a remote job and started her own business. And you'll hear how actually she works less and earns more. So I'm really excited to share her story. She, she works part-time um, and she still earns more. So she's a true inspiration. And she's one of those people who just proves that remote work can pay really well and not that all high paying jobs are in the city in an office. And I just, this is why I'm doing this podcast. I really want to just show you what's possible and actually give you proof by sharing um, these amazing women's stories and reflecting on our chat. I just think it's so important to talk about stress. And I wanted to raise awareness of Camilla's experience because as high achieving women, so many of us, like I say, push and push ourselves and we ignore the signals that our bodies are telling us. And it's not that we can't do it. Of course we can. Of course we can do it. But it should be a matter of whether we want to do it and whether our bodies feel good in that environment. And we should be self-aware enough to, to know and recognize the signals and then do something about it um, before it's too late. And in, in Camilla's experience, it knocked her out for six months. So our bodies are so smart and intuitive that if they are giving us signals like migraines, low energy, constant fatigue, and in severe cases like Camilla's collapsing, we we do, we've got to listen and take note of what our body is trying to tell us. Sometimes we can spend so long in our minds and push and push and push because we're worried we're going to fail or we're worried we're not going to, um, we're not going to match the performance of the, the guy over the office. You know, we can push and push and push and stay in our minds and ignore the signals that our bodies are telling us. And we have choices. We have choices to go and find other things if we feel like our environment isn't suiting us. So I'm so excited for you to hear Camilla's story because she really does prove that you don't have to trade your health for a high income and living in a, in living in paradise, that there is another way, there is another option for you. 
you. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having this me. This is our attempt to because I screwed up the tech last time, so thanks for coming again. No, I think the tech screwed up, not you. <laughs> Do you want to tell the listeners who you are, what your career has been so far, how you ended up in Bali? Who you are and where you come from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm Camilla. Um, I'm 30. Don't know why I'm giving away all my key deeds. Wow. <laughs> and um, I'm... Oh, I guess I'm a bit of one of those like cliche digital nomads. So I'd say my life's 50% in Bali and 50% back in Europe. I'm still figuring out that part. Um, my background is in the advertising world and creative agencies, um, working on some quite big global clients. Uh, but as you alluded to, um, I burnt out pretty badly in London in my mid-20s, which led me on a bit of a journey. Um, and I'm now here in Bali uh, doing my own thing. I think we'll touch on this in more detail, but um, after I burnt out, I kind of had like a total recalibration, like really rethought how I was going to do everything. And um, I never, ever thought I'd be someone who worked for myself. Um, but totally naturally and organically, I started a jewellery brand, which is produced here in Bali. And we're actually moving in a new direction. We're actually doing now more accessories as well. Uh, stay tuned for that. Um, so I have my own uh, jewellery and accessories brand, all produced in Bali, um, which uh, is, I'm trying to say, my predominant thing. And then which also supports me is I have a job still back in London, which I do remotely. So I work for an amazing company called Fortnite Collective, um, which is a collective of freelancers, all from the advertising industry. Um, and we all work remotely anyway. We did before COVID. Um, but they all just joke that I took remote, really remote. Yeah. <laughs> like really remote, like eight hours ahead time difference remote. Um, which actually works really well because sometimes like the clients wake up and the stuff's been done overnight. Yeah because we work, we're working in the future. Um, but uh, again, I'm sure we'll go into this in more detail. It means I work UK hours, um, which can be quite hard because my day starts at 5 p.m., which is when most people's finish. Mm. Yeah, and I think just on this on this topic as well, I think what you're doing in Bali is amazing. Like Having a job that's very similar to what you could do in London and leveraging the skills that you you built in your corporate job because a lot of people listening will be in corporate jobs thinking mm. oh, I really want to do I really want to move to Bali or I really want to work remotely and travel mm-hmm. and they don't think that being able to leverage the skills that they already know is possible but actually like you're living proof that it is yeah you might have to make some small compromises mm. like the hours thing and stuff like that but sometimes it feels like a big compromise <laughs> at one in the morning <laughs> yeah but yeah like it's and actually um I think I think I'm lucky that I kind of fell into this like it was never the plan it's just kind of all worked out but like for anyone listening, I really do think like COVID has been the mm. biggest cha- game changer for anyone who wants to live this lifestyle. Like it has really facilitated that working remotely is doable. And honestly, my clients don't even, they forget that I'm in Indonesia half mm. the time. Um, and I'll be honest, like um, my boss was very supportive of me coming out here and, and trying it. He had his nervousness about it, but the client was quite traditional and they were really not keen on me coming out here they were like we love working with Camilla she does a great job but we don't like the idea of her in Indonesia and all credit to my boss he was like you've just said you like working with her like onus on her to make it work let's try it for a month got out here I've worked hard and they've never said anything ever since so yeah I really like that I think it's like one of those things that it it's in the it's in management's interest to if you if they know you're talented and they value you if you know if you know you will do your best work in paradise in a tropical (laughs) island all of those things then it's in their interest to let you go to that environment and it's also one of those things that trying it out is possible as well they can try it out and then if it didn't work then they put then they say oh it's not working yeah and full credit to my boss i guess i've known him a long time and he's a great guy and he i've been working on this client i'd kind of put in my stint in the uk i'd like i picked up this job and this remote contract in covid um, whilst I was living in London during a lockdown, it was only meant to be a, a couple of weeks contract and it just rolled and rolled. It was, if anyone was in London, it was the, God, so many bloody lockdowns. Like, <laughs> let's take us back. It was November 2020 and 
I was living on my own in London. I thought, God, what a good time just to make some money and get my head down. And this contract just rolled and rolled. And um, yeah, like to be honest, it was going to be in my boss's interest. I already had a relationship with the clients. I was doing a good job. It's going to be way more hassle for him to find someone else, train them up, than give me a not give me a go. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'd caveat as well. I think this works so well for me as well. And I will come on to this, I'm sure, about boundaries. Such a like annoyingly overused word, but it is a thing. Mm-hmm. I took on the job when he asked me to be a bit more full-time once I got back to Indonesia. I'm actually part-time. There's no way I could do 5 p.m. till 1 a.m. five days a week. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm already burning out doing three days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if I'm in Europe, I could do five days a week. So it's just, it's just balancing out and realising what works for you. Yeah. I want to just stay on this, like, current piece at the moment because I think this is just really interesting. Can we mm. paint the picture as to what your day is like in Bali? Because <laughs> it's going to be different. You're doing a similar every job. <laughs> but you're doing a similar job as to what you did in corporate in terms of, like, serving the clients and advertising industry. But obviously your life is completely different mm. now. So it would be good to just, like talk about what is a day in the life of Camilla mm-hmm. in Bali oh it's pretty good actually mm-hmm. <laughs> not gonna lie it's pretty damn good I mean it's different every day but I would say uh coming on to like the burnout piece um and I'll like be totally honest like Susie knows I even had like a little cry this morning because I'm so <laughs> tired I am actually I feel like I'm burning out at the moment but I've learned so much in terms of how to manage it and not just ignore it um so something that's really important for burnout is like routine and structure um and I kind of have that with my job but it's probably not the most ideal routine so my days kind of vary based on my energy levels and also if I've been working the night before or not so um I work Monday Tuesday and Thursday generally a full day so that affects um the following day so if I've gone to bed at 1am hopefully 1am I'll kind of wake up around about 9 10 um I'm very lucky I came back to Bali um and because I was living on my own I decided to move into a hotel (laughs) um and the hotels here because there are no tourists they were selling their rooms on monthly so I've had a really dreamy year I only went for a month and I've been here a year uh I live in a hotel so um something Susie and I talked before we came on air about is I think you can live such a good life here because so much is outsourced. Mm. So (laughs) things like um, we order all our food in on an app called Gojek, which is essentially Uber. We freaking love, (laughs) amen to the Gojek gods. Like you, yeah, bow down at the altar of Gojek. I order everything on Gojek. Like coffees, coffees, cookies, medication, or like, you know, I got to my hotel, I didn't have a a kettle. I just ordered in a kettle. Yeah. it's beyond and then my top tip I link my card so I never even have to faff around with cash um so I got off topic very mean um I basically yeah I wake up I'll have um I'll either order in breakfast from the hotel or go check in some breakfast shout out to BGS coffee you keep me alive um something I'm really trying to do just again because of my burner I'm really trying to only drink decaf because I think I could become go back into a phase where I really prop myself up with caffeine. Right. So I'm really consciously only trying to have caffeine on days that I really need it. Because I think, I remember in London, I was just living on coffee, which is a warning to everyone. I think everybody <laughs> does, don't they? Yeah, and like, I think that's, yeah, it's a mask. Um, and then what else do I do? So if I can, I'm trying to, uh, cliche, I've just got really into surfing. Um, I've never done it before, I've lived in Bali, on and off for two years and I don't know why I haven't done it before I'm like I'm not full-on surf bug but I'm I'm surfing twice a week and I'm loving it um I can wake up if I'm surfing I tell my surf coach again boundaries you know the surf is great at 6am mate I'm never going to be there at 6am <laughs> like I'll just be like a corpse on a surfboard like you'll just be pushing me out so the boundary is that I will only surf if I can go at nine. Mm-hmm. So if the waves aren't good, I just won't go. Like en- like energy-wise, I just can't go before nine. Um, so I try and surf twice a week. And if I do that, then um, afterwards, I'll go grab some lunch. I hit up Ammo Spa. I might have a massage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, see friends, see, have coffees. I obviously also have my brand. So um, it varies week on week how much I do on my brand, which is called Chantique. 
Um, so if I can, uh, if I've got enough energy, I'll take meetings in the day, I'll go see suppliers. Um, but I really do have to balance that around my energy. And then by kind of four or five o'clock, I'm kind of resting up because I've then got a full day of sort of the London job ahead. Mm. So then you work your London job until around like one? Midnight one. one. I'm trying to set a hard boundary for midnight. But the nature of my job is I'm an account director. So I manage a team of creatives and the clients. So I really middleman stuff. Mm. So it's difficult uh, because I don't want to hold anyone up. So, um, you know, if there's a pressing deadline, I will stay up till Mm -hmm. one. Um, But I'm trying to get better at saying, like when I wake up in the morning, I can send it because it will mm-hmm. still be in the client's inbox overnight. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's hard. I don't like letting people down. It's not in a in a count person's nature. Yeah, that's the nature of that kind of coverage job as well, isn't it? I think that's amazing. And I can feel like the people listening thinking how unconventional that whole thing is. <laughs> like, how crazy. And I just, like, before we take it back, just want to pause on the... I'm sure people are thinking, but... If you you're you're working three days a week, but you 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 need to work five days a week, and like, how did you get your head around like only having to do three days a week? And like, also a lot of Quite people, easily. I think <laughs> yeah, but a lot of people are like, but then you're not earning on the two days a week, uh. and it's like, how do you get your head around? But like, I know we're more on the same page now. We've come to Bali because we've chosen different, you've, we've chosen different things. But like, when you're back in in London and in corporate you're very much like trying to maximize your salary maximize everything and it's like actually when you want to think about what you're trying to get out of life like yeah well honestly would you choose to work five days over three I mean unless like you know a lot of people out here work for themselves so unless it's like your passion like you're just choosing to work five days because you're passionate and you love it and you want to you're in I don't know you're making like I am like jewelry and you just you can't help yourself you just Mm. love it but realistically if you're in like a finance job I don't know both my brothers are accountants so I won't say their names um but like I'm sure if they could choose to work three days a week over five they would yeah um and look I've gone freelance which gives me no stability in terms of I don't have a pension I don't have any like um like maternity benefit and my contract could kind of end at any point um but I'm paid better for it. Like I'm on a day rate. So I'm actually earning more than I did when I was in mm. London. I work less and I earn more. Mm. Uh, which is the like, dream. Yeah. The dream. And um, it's possible. For sure. But then you just have that risk of like, you know, um, I, my, my father was in, you know, this will come back to like me taking a slightly alternative route, but my father's been in finance his whole life and both my brothers have become accountants. So like I am doing something really quite unconventional for what my family mm. has done so I don't have like the conventional support and structure but like onus on me for example to the fact I am earning a bit more money I then save and invest to protect myself in mm. case this job goes and then I also like do my own pension thing so it's just it's onus on you to kind of take what you don't get in terms of corporate benefits and protect yourself and that's the other reason why I'm trying to grow my business chantique because that's mm-hmm. secondary income stream it, that's amazing advice i really think that's like so good because i think that it's like changing this mindset shift and instead of like the dream being trying to earn a certain amount it starts with like how do you want your life to look mm. had great backgrounds in terms of career we know that mm-hmm. we have skills that are worth uh, like a lot and we have a, a value on that so it's like better off deciding how you want your life to look and then, okay, so how often do I want to work? Okay, so what type of clients do I then need to serve? Where are they? And like, um, and then, like you're saying, so does that mean I can't get a pension or I can't get certain financial benefits? Okay, well, I have to go and do that bit on myself. Just kind of shifting mm-hmm. it all, but stemming from how you want your life to look rather than how much money you want to earn. Yeah. You know? And look, I'm in a really fortunate position that I had to put the boundary in with my boss and said, I will only do three days a week. So I'm turning down potentially two days worth of pay. What I do turn down, two days worth of pay a week. And it's well paid and it's day rate. So, and that's hard sometimes when I've got loads of outgoings on my business or look, we live a good life in Bali. We go away at the weekends or we get a, go on a boat or we go and stay in nice hotels and things. So, you know, when the money's going out, it's tempting to pick up more days. But mm. I know 
my energy can't handle it and also I wouldn't have any time to put into my own business if I didn't have those two days to myself mm. and the only like hard boundary I have really maintained um, with my boss and myself he doesn't push me um, at all but I don't work Fridays like that's been like a hard line for me um, and that's great because I always know no matter how tired I am I've got Friday to myself and also it means I go away every weekend mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, I think you probably do better work when you do work as well. Like yeah. You're probably performing better, like showing up as a better Camilla for the clients and then also outside showing up as a better Camilla to your friends and anybody in your life. I'm productive because um, I am naturally an evening person and that's something I really struggle with because society, as I think we all know, is kind of set up for morning people. Like, 5am club and I get up before the sun comes up. <laughs> Hey, I've tried. I don't want to say mate so much. Who am I? Um, a like, server. <laughs> I'm a server now. Oh God, Jesus! I'm such a cringe cliche. Um, like, there's just no way I could. I'm just not set up to that. Like, even at uni, like I did my best work between like nine and ten p.m. at night. So actually, like in the UK, I would kind of get it in, when I worked in London. I'd get into the office. Like it was advertising, so they were kind of chilled. I get in around about at like nine, nine thirty. I'd faff around making breakfast, gossiping, chatting to everyone in the agency. I honestly probably didn't do anything productive till at least 10, 10.30. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, because I want to go to bed on time and because I've already lived my day, I hit the ground running at five o'clock. Mm -hmm. Like I clear through my emails, I take, like lead the team call at 5.45 and like I'm productive from the word go. Like I don't have that kind of, I don't know, for me like morning sludge of like needing a coffee, needing to warm up, get into my day. Like I'm already into my day. Yeah. So I definitely would say my my company is getting quite productiveness out of me. Yeah. It's not a word. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know about you, but now I feel like coming to Bali and seeing everybody with their different schedules and their different businesses, there's so many different models and ways to live life that mm. is outside of the conventional like nine to it's not nine to five, is it? It's like nine not to seven. Um, or like nine to seven. seven to and then seven. you have to get on the tube. And then Crazy. you have to cook dinner. And then you have to like maybe like laundry some clothes. And then do it all And then do again. your sheets. And I'm like, how do you have any time for yourself? I don't think when I lived yeah. in London I had any time for myself. Yeah. Um, but there's so many different ways. And it opens your mind that almost now we've got this increased perspective here that people at home probably don't see mm. yet. But there's so many other ways to do it. So I, I think what's so great about you and what inspires me about you is that you have, and through this burnout, which we're going to get onto, you've really got to know yourself, your body, your triggers, your like signs of when it's, and you can like bring it back to like know what you, how you really want to live your life. Mm. And that's such a great thing because I think there's so many people who are fitting themselves into this this nine to whatever we call it way of being and it doesn't suit their body it doesn't suit their mind it's not what they want mm. but they don't know that there's any other mm. option so and I'll caveat that I still struggle like I've got a really dreamy setup like this is a ridiculous statement and I know I sound like a princess but I don't remember the last time I changed my sheets <laughs> and like that is like an absurd statement but like the only reason I bring that up is because I remember when I was really struggling with my energy in London like changing my sheets and crying because I'm so tired. I get yeah. like halfway through changing the duvet and I would like be like, I don't think I can do it. Mm. And like, I'm so tired. Um, so I'm like, I have a very supported life out here, but like I'll be very open to say it. it's something I still really manage. And there are some signs which I kind of like, for example, um, like tonsillitis is a sign that I'm mm. really about to run down. So if I feel any flare up for my tonsils, I call it like stop, drop and um, rest. Mm. <laughs> I'll say stop, drop and roll, that's fire. Um, <laughs> stop, drop and rest. I like, cause I just have to, because yeah. otherwise if the tonsillitis hits, I could be out for a week or two. Um, so there are just, there are just warning signs, but um, yeah, it's something I still manage. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's, really great to have that transparency as well and I don't think it does go away but it's just that you've got such great awareness now that you can manage it like I don't think you can ever like that life isn't always perfect it's mm. about like managing it um so let's let's take it back I think I want to start with what is burnout because I think so many we use that term really flippantly yeah oh, I'm burnt out I even, oh, I'm tired but yeah. real 
proper chronic medical medically diagnosed burnout which you've experienced is is a different thing yeah and like it's funny that I've been using the phrase burnout I think it's because you have I actually never really use that for myself it's it's like a quick cut to for a kind of a big summary of everything that happens to people Mm. because I think everyone's burnout is different if you've suffered from burnout and I actually don't think it's a medic I don't know this caveat but I don't think it's a medically used term Mm. it's um where I got to is it's diagnosis by exclusion so it's not like you can like stick a needle in you and test for burnout Mm. it's um I was diagnosed with post-viral fatigue um so I think to your point was I think you're trying to say is like what's the difference between like being tired and being fatigued exactly yeah um this is the thing, I don't think I realised how sick I was in London. Oh, it's making me quite emotional. Oh. Um, was because I was just like, if you're in London, you're just tired. Like, if you have a job and you commute and you have any sort of social life or a partner, you're just tired because you were just trying to fit in yeah. so much into one human day. And, like, I even think, like, I honestly think taking the tube is one of the most traumatic events. I've still got PTSD from taking the Northern Line in the morning. Like, how starting your day off like that like I used to like throw my backpack in and just hope for the best it was there on the other side squish my body in and then like I was just in a state of stress from the moment I woke up um but everyone was so you're just kind of like oh I'm not unusual on this yeah and then I didn't realize my exhaustion was like next level and this is where like tiredness and fatigue is different like you go on a run you're tired fatigue is like it got to the stage where go to bed on Friday like if I was exhausted and didn't drag myself out maybe at like 8 or 9pm which I hardly ever did because I'm a night owl and I would wake up 14, 15 hours later and I was Mm -hmm. like ooh this is not normal Yeah. and it got to the stage where like fatigue is like and unfortunately if you've had long COVID or you've had COVID and you've felt the effects of post-viral fatigue that's how I felt all the time so like I'd have a shower and I'd be exhausted I'd do the stairs and I'd be exhausted. Mm. And I'm like quite, well I was, I'm back to that stage again now, but like quite sporty and fit. And to be like, like going to the shops to buy some food would be insurmountable. Like once it got really bad, I would walk to Sainsbury's and have to Uber home. And Sainsbury's was the end of my road. <laughs> yeah, that must have been like terrifying. Like, it was, but I also wasn't good at asking for help. Yeah. Because I asked for help from my friends once or twice and I didn't get it. And like this isn't like bad mouthing my friends. It's because they all live these mental London lives as well. So I was like, I'm really struggling. Can you bring me some food? And they're like, Yeah, is next Thursday okay? <laughs> and it's like, Not really. Yeah. I'm like collapsing here, and I'm so I asked for help and I didn't get it. And so I just learned to cope on my own. And it wasn't until I actually collapsed at work one day that. I basically had to just give in and, and move back in with my parents in mm. Scotland because I just couldn't... I'd been trying to look after myself, but I just had, didn't have the energy for it. In terms of what was going on at the time mm. at work, mm-hmm. can you just kind of set the scene as to what was going on and mm-hmm. how you were feeling? Um, oh, I remember, yeah. So um, basically, I'm careful not to blame work too much, but also I do think... People who are susceptible to like this kind of burnout, if we're calling it burnout, are people who are like push themselves mm. and are quite often, without sounding arrogant, like overachievers. Yeah. Um, and when I was sick, to cut ahead a bit, when I was sick, the best thing a doctor ever said to me, because it, it was really confusing kind of illness and situation to be in, because people just don't understand. I had a doctor say to me, I've never met a lazy person with chronic fatigue. Mm. That's how I would identify myself. I would say, I wouldn't say burnout, I'd say I had chronic fatigue or post-viral fatigue syndrome is just a mouthful. <laughs> so I say, I say chronic fatigue. Um, and so I've just like, from a young age, like really pushed myself. And it wasn't that my parents were pushing me. It's just like, I kind of thrived on achieving and doing well. So like, if I set the goal to get straight A's, I would push myself to get it. Or if I set myself to get into a certain university, I would push myself until I got it. Like, I wasn't naturally superb. Like, yeah. I, I just kind of figured out ways to do things and pushed myself to get there. Are you loving this interview today and want more from The Collective? 
Have you signed up to our weekly newsletter yet? It's the newsletter I wish I'd had three years ago and I've taken everything I've learned and packed it into an intimate, informative and inspirational email for the community. It's totally free to subscribe to. The link is in the show notes or go to our Instagram and click on the link in the bio. Each week, you can make a cuppa and read through my founder's journal, our community news, our latest podcast interview, our handpicked dream remote jobs list, my handpicked crypto and blockchain jobs list, and tips for starting a business and going freelance. Sign up to our weekly newsletter to learn, be inspired, and just join part of our community. I'm so excited to bring all of you amazing female leaders together and start this conversation with each other. To sign up, go to the link in the show notes or go to our Instagram and click on the link in our bio. I also worked out from a young age that like I kind of did it all, but in a probably a bit of a dangerous way, as in I'd do sport and drama and dance and like the amount I used to pack into a day, but I carried that on into my adult life. And then adult life comes responsibilities like yeah. cooking for yourself, work. And then, yeah. So that kind of gives you a bit of like understanding as to like who I am and how I had the propensity to push myself. And then work, like if anyone's listening in advertising agencies, worked in agencies, they're, they're tough, man. Like it, I went into it because I liked the creative industries and the people I worked with were amazing. They became like family to me because I didn't have family in London. Um, but like you're kind of in the trenches together so you work really hard and you take kind of like ugh, like work jobs that you work with clients are really hard work because you just feel like you're getting punched and you just have to like wear it mm. and then what's worse with my role is then I can quite often have to take on that like uh, that middleman role where not only do you feel like you're getting punched sometimes but then when you're trying to relay that message to the creatives you feel like you get punched by them as well <laughs> so some days I just come home and I just feel like I've just been punched by everyone yeah. <laughs> and like for the good of what like no offence to this client but like for a crisps campaign or like for a hair care product I'm like god I'm not changing the world here you know Yeah. like it wasn't I was working really hard for someone else for something that sometimes I was like, we'd have crisis meetings about a full stop in a headline. Like I remember getting a call from a wow. client at 6am because they wanted a crisis meeting because we put a full stop in a headline. Wow. And I, and like, it just put me in a state of stress the whole time because you, something as well as in a client facing role, you take on the client's stress and neuroses as well because the, you know, they had a ton of pressure and bureaucracy and stuff their side and they put that on you as well. So... I was just a big old ball of stress. The thing is with exhaustion and fatigue, this thing about pushing ourselves and what you were mm. saying around high achievers, like I, I would say that I have, I have a similar kind of mentality and it's only now that I'm like 31 to have I realised and asked myself, like, what is what am I pushing all this for? What mm. have I been pushing all this for? Because the school system and uni system and all of that is set up to achieve stuff. What else are you doing? You're there to, like, get the best grade possible. That's how it's designed. Yeah. So you then just go into your adult life having learnt that that's what you do. You just try to achieve. And it's only until, like... I don't know whether it's, like, hitting my 30s and you start to think more about family life and things like that. It's, like... Whether that's widened my perspectives and you realise, oh, actually, more important things are maybe like things like love and enjoyment and happiness. And then it's like... And uh, health. Yeah, and health. And to be able to experience these things. So it's like those, those things are not going to come from constantly achieving for the sake of it and constantly Well, it pushing. catches up with you. Yeah. And this is my warning. I'm like, I see all my friends working flipping hard in London and I'm just like it does all it will all catch up with you mm. like I'm kind of grateful that I had this burnout I mean it's not it was like it was a crappy old time but I was really lucky I didn't have children depending on me I didn't have a mortgage like it was shitty I was 26 27 and I moved back to my parents farmhouse in Scotland there's nothing to do there mm. it is not a place that a young I'm an extrovert I get my energy from people I'm social to a fault. <laughs> um, you know, I'm the kind of gal that likes to dance on tables and then I'm living back with mum and dad and I can't even do the stairs. Yeah. Like, I'm grateful that happened to me at a time where I had no dependables. Um, I did have a boyfriend at the time, but like, I eventually let that go. I just needed all my energy for myself. 
and going back to your point about what I call the conveyor belt of life mm-hmm. like I'm from a kind of uh, quite traditional straight down the line conveyor belt it's like you go to school these are the grades you get if you get these grades you get into this university you do this course and then there's x y z jobs that you'll probably take I'd say yeah. most of my friends are in after uni went into a very specific type of role a lot of them are lawyers for example and like like they are great people they're really smart they're really intelligent but we were kind of funneled down that route yeah I even felt like doing advertising even though my role was quite corporate and I was working with big clients and big budgets and stuff it did seem quite like left field and kooky and creative from the background and university that I went to that I was going into advertising um, like I felt like the black sheep at the law events I go to <laughs> with my friends. I was like the token advertising one. Where did you go to uni? I went to Durham. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know I studied international relations and did not use my degree at all. But <laughs> I I really enjoyed what I studied, but it was more like university of life kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, that's always that funnel and like as like as there's different problems at either end of the spectrum as someone that doesn't get the grades constantly through school they then it it harms their confidence and does a lot of Mm. things for their mindset that I hear about but like on the other end of the spectrum as well if you do get like the good grades the whole time it's almost like there's nothing else for you apart from that path that is the path well you don't get presented with any other options because you're not fulfilling your potential then (laughs) you know well I think this is maybe why these kind of overachievers go into these like certain funnel type roles because then your achievement is set by like uh for example how much your bonus is or how much you earn and then you get into these certain like top salary brackets and then that means you can buy a certain house in london but me and like no judgment to people who are doing this because that totally could have been me and kind of was me to an extent but I was in advertising so I probably would only have left in a shoebox in zone seven (laughs) I don't even know if there is a zone seven but I would have been living there on my salary um but um yeah it's just like I don't know it all feels like a bit of a trapping like Mm -hmm. you're then stuck in that job to pay for that mortgage to live in that place and like I was really grateful again that like I had no when I went through the what we're calling burnout I didn't have any ties and I'm really lucky like coming on to like how I created this life for myself this new stage let's say the post fatigue Camilla but I am managing it still I was really lucky I uh it didn't seem lucky at the time and it felt like a massive failure I feel like I'm on the how to fail podcast now <laughs> it's a high a high compliment to you and I think Day. I think failing <laughs> at society's path is actually a great thing yeah I'm well psyched. it felt like failure because I took redundancy and I loved my agency I loved the people I worked with it did really contribute into my health you know I'm saying to my work I'm gonna burn out I'm gonna burn out I'm struggling because I burnt out once before and had to take a month off because I got glandular fever and a year later I was saying to them I'm struggling I'm struggling I'm struggling but the context was the agency was struggling as well after I left they made 40% of the workforce redundant right so you can kind of see how snowed under I was I was running two global accounts at the age of 25 26 yeah I was really proud that I was the youngest account director in the agency. That comes down to my overachieving and pushing. That was my kind of like gold star. Mm -hmm. But I was not supported. And Mm. I, well, yeah, I collapsed. It's terrifying, like collapsing at work. Like that's Mm. terrifying. I I would really love the listeners to learn from you because I'm sure a lot of people are listening and they're thinking, wow, I do feel, I feel like that. I feel like that could be on the horizon for me. Um firstly but i don't think people take it seriously either no. i think i think there's a there's a massive stigma associated mm-hmm. with um with it with with feeling tired or feeling exhausted in the sense that people associate that with you're not able to cope or you're just not up to the job yeah. and things Oof. like that and i think Big that's time. yeah i think it's actually very personally to bring gender into it it could be because the world is very sort of masculine it's set up in a very masculine way and actually um when you work for these big corporates and still a lot of them are still very male dominated Mm. that's the way that it is their their kind of approach is to just get your head down and get on with it and if you're if you're anything other than that you're seen as not it's not capable but actually I I really when I was thinking about bringing you on and I was thinking about this I really want to maybe just reframe that perhaps women 
like the, the more feminine approach to bring to this and being more aware of our bodies and our feelings and our triggers and being able to say this is about to happen and not let it happen mm. that is so much better for the organization in the long run because then you're not taking six months out like mm-hmm. what what you what led you to do you know yeah like I would say to be honest like I used to hate it and I'm embarrassed I don't even know I'm embarrassed to say it but I am I used to cry at work a lot Mm. and that was just because I was so and this comes back to like maybe females doing this role I cared a lot and actually somebody once took me aside before I collapsed and told me to stop caring so much and I'm like I understood what he said now I know where it came from but I was like I was trying to put together this huge international tv shoot on my own with no support above me, the female leaders who used to work for my business, who I, was why I chose that agency, had been pushed out. There was no one above me apart from a finance director and he didn't know how to do my job. I literally was not coping. I have a paper trail of saying to them, I am going to burn out, I am struggling, I need more support. And it wasn't there. So I do like, not blame, but like that was a massive contribution as to why I, ended up kind of imploding um but I also wasn't listening to my body and when I cried it wasn't it felt like weakness but it wasn't it was honestly and I would say this to people when they were like oh my god are you okay I'm fine it was just I would say it's liquid frustration Mm. it's just it's just got to come out somehow and it was a release like I just needed that like Mm. liquid frustration to leak out my eyes but um I think going back to when the burnout happened I it felt like a failure because I ended up taking voluntary redundancy and that went against all of my like overachieving pushing capable kind of inbuiltness in me like choosing to take redundancy even though it was the best thing that ever happened the kind of what they call it golden parachute um it felt like such a huge failure um but it gave me this lump sum of money because I had worked hard and I was quite senior I got quite a good package surprisingly um and it meant I had this lump sum of money so as I was recovering I could go off and do something and uh that's how I ended up in Bali yeah I think that in in that comment of his saying careless is really interesting and this is really takes it back to why I've created this whole Um, female leadership collective because I really think there are differences with feminine leadership versus masculine leadership and who decided one day that we shouldn't care about what we do every day like Mm. who decided that that's that I wish I could choose to care less it might feel it's not my nature (laughs) but maybe maybe it feels good to care about what we do every day I don't want to feel numb I want to enjoy what I'm doing and I want to care and I want to care about the people and the clients that I serve Mm. if, if I'm if I'm in a job that doesn't allow me to do that then that's that's not very enjoyable to me no and I can't not care that's not in my nature and also like I've seen account men, which is the role that I do, which is the role that I still do. We're all a certain type of person. Mm. We care. Yeah. We're people, people, and like shit gets done because we care. Yeah. And um, yeah, like I, I that comment I still like, I do really struggle with, and I think it comes back to like when I took on the role in that agency, I was really nurtured and supported by two women who led the agency and I was taken under the wing um, of like an amazing MD called shout out to Amy Luther. And I once asked her for a pay rise, which I really struggled with. Like I was so embarrassed to ask for a pay rise. And she like with like total respect to her, she was like, I know how hard this was for you to do. And we're actually not in a position to, to be able to do that right now. But she put a plan in place so I could have a pay rise. Mm. But she acknowledged that she used to have a boss that she used to ask for pay rises and he used to shame her. Wow. Um, over it. So she, like, I think that's the difference of, like, a female, knowing the female experience. She was like, I'm, like, proud of you for doing this. And, like, well done and for doing that. Yeah, there's, like, empathy there. And on the whole, as leaders, we tend to, and as human beings, we tend to have more compassion. We're a little bit more, that comes more naturally to us. So it's like, actually, this, this man asking you to do that is really basically asking you to suppress a part of you that you know actually is probably um probably going towards amazing performance and looking after the 
the clients in an amazing way, you know? Mm. Um, okay, let's take it. So, the, yeah, the other question that I had packed into that is um, if anybody's listening and they're feeling some of the things that you're mm. talking about and they're worrying that it's on the horizon for them, what is your advice? What should they be looking out for? What should they start to do? Oh, gosh. Okay, that's quite a big question. <laughs> um, let me think. Well, oh, my God, it's like I know it probably feels like so super overwhelming because it's kind of like being in the eye of a storm like you know it's your unfortunately for most people like your job is your life right Mm. but your job if your job is your life then that's I think where you're going wrong for a starter like I think you can recognize these traits you just start to for example like it's when tiredness goes to a whole other level watch out like Mm. honestly I do and a lot of my friends like sadly use me as a bit of a tail as in like they now are like oh we don't want to go to the place where Camilla went (laughs) but no but like I'm so happy that I can come out the other side and my friends be like oh I don't want to burn out and I have a lot of people reach out to me saying like I'm feeling like this or whatever and it is great that my some of my friends have seen me go through this because one of my best best friends in the world her partner's going through this now Mm. and the only reason she's finding that she can kind of support him is because she saw me go through that and like shout out to I say shout out a lot I'm like a radio one presenter (laughs) shout out shout out to um anyone who's supporting a partner going through this because it is hard um because for me I lost like my personality and who I was and I'd say like unfortunately and I was told this from the start and I don't want it to be like a self-fulfilling prophecy but burnout goes hand in hand with depression Mm. because you you don't say I think like chronic pain I have a friend out here who's chronic pain and we talk about it a lot chronic pain and chronic fatigue kind of go hand in hand because you can't kind of live your life how you want to Mm. so then you're frustrated um uh which can make you a bit depressed so in terms of actionable steps I would really like start looking at (laughs) I hate this word I don't know why I hate this word because it's so important but boundaries like really I'm really trying to practice if it's not a hell yes it's a hell no Mm. um which honestly sounds like some sort of like Instagram meme but really it does work and like I'm a real I don't know if you're someone who has these burnout propensities like me you're probably a people pleaser um and I didn't realize how much I put like what other people want and expectations of like dragging myself to three different birthday parties on a Saturday night because I didn't want to let anyone down. Mm. Whereas really, I should have stayed in, watched X Factor and gone to bed. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't do that. So like, and knowing that it's uh, okay to be selfish and like the people who know you, like I still struggle with the thoughts of being lazy and selfish, but in, in order to get through my fatigue, I had to be, and those have negative connotations, but I had to be lazy in inverted commas and selfish. Mm. Um, and it's again something I'm still working on like a good friend of mine is leaving today and I'm really tired and I need a nap before work Um, and she's leaving for Australia but I think I'm just going to have to say look I love you but I don't have time to see you I have to sleep before work yeah yeah. but it's one of those things that actually selfish like how do we define selfish that that sounds selfish on the outset of it but it's one of those things that if you don't take that for yourself you can't show up in a way mm. for somebody else and like taking it back again maybe that means that if you you know if you continually don't set those boundaries then maybe that means that you end up having to move back with your parents for six months because you can't have guys a you don't want to do that you know <laughs> it <laughs> you is know? not fun it's like really really like keeping that's the way that we keep ourselves safe and protect us and i think it can be so hard to do because society doesn't like allow us or set us up in a way to and I was give permission to do that you know yeah and I was lucky that I could kind of when everything imploded as such that I was so lucky that I could move back with my parents financially like god help I know people who've gone through this as a mum with like two young Mm. kids oh my goodness like I could only like bless my mum and my dad like they really supported me through all of that um and my point was going to be look our bodies are crazy smart (laughs) like not like not an earth-shattering comment but like my body was giving me signs that I was stressed like I and I hate this term as well it's a big old umbrella term but IBS like all my friends in my 20s um and still are like don't eat gluten don't eat dairy and I think people think these girls are being faddy but and they then doctors tell them they have IBS which is the biggest bullshit umbrella term in my Mm. in my point of view like 
all these girls with like tummy and gut issues it's because they're stressed and they're anxious and I had tons of hospital investigations like invasive like colonoscopies and endoscopies and stuff to look at what was going on with my stomach and like in hindsight I was just really fucking stressed Mm. and I was but like it was more my body had learned to be in a state of stress so for example I didn't wear trousers for a year because my stomach would bloat as soon as I was stressed so much I couldn't put trousers on and weirdly everyone at the agency just thought I was really formal they're like oh you're so smart Camilla always in dresses and skirts and it's like mate because I'm so bloated yeah (laughs) and it's and it's more like I wasn't supremely stressed, but my body was in the state of stress. So I could get an email from a client at 9 a.m. being like, oh, we're not very happy with this. And it would be really manageable. Like you or I would read it now and be like, okay, cool, we can action that, no bother. But my body was in such a state of stress, it would like trigger something within me. So I think it's just being really aware of like, your body is giving you signs. Like I'm not saying you don't have underlying issues if you get migraines all the time, but like migraines or energy issues or like anxious traits or gut issues I think your gut is so intelligent and for example my friend once said to me I can't process dairy when I'm stressed like Mm. my gut gut can't process it she's like if I'm not stressed it's fine and I thought that is so interesting so interesting so I just think in a very long-winded way in answer to your question I think if you take the time to actually sit and look at it if you step out the rat race just for like half an hour your body is telling you stuff yeah and in hindsight for six years my body was saying fuck you I'm not coping (laughs) yeah yeah I love that I think that's so important and then I guess it's like giving yourself permission to listen and then do with what those signs are telling you to to do you know and that's so easier said than done right and I'm not Mm -hmm. saying if you get migraines I'm not a doctor obviously like there's not underlying health issues or something but like you know I really do think that your body is trying to tell you something so I guess to take this back to the the situation it's like if anybody's thinking this then it's it's really listening to your body and what do you need and then if they do have a a conversation with their employer and they're not they're not so supportive then it's like well maybe you draw a boundary and um think of a plan of of how to maybe move yourself out of that employer into a different one who is a bit more compassionate and does align a bit more with what your body needs yeah which obviously maybe sounds to some people like oh fuck you easier said than done sorry about my language no it's fine absolutely (laughs) Um, but like it's how I feel um like you're probably like sitting there being like oh sure I'll just quit my job because I can't set boundaries but it's more like it really took me until I got ill to realize I had choices yeah like I stayed in relationships in my 20s I shouldn't have done and I stayed in living situations which were a bit toxic that I shouldn't have done and I stayed in this job even though I love the people and I love the agency it was not serving me Mm. it was burning me out it was pushing me it was not supporting me I honestly did not realize until my late 20s that I had choices Mm. that I could walk away from these things and I was just one of these people that were like I was very, and I kind of maybe got this from my like parents, like, if it's good on paper, like, a tick box approach. Like, yes. if the pros weigh, if the pros outweigh the cons, stick in it. But w- there might be, like, seven ticks for pros and only one for con, but that con is so huge and toxic yeah. and rubbish, it outweighs all those seven ticks, mm-hmm. if that analogy makes sense. Absolutely, and that's so powerful, because when you, when you look at where you're at now, you, I think the, the, the trouble that we have as high achievers to to give ourselves permission to say no this is not for us um the trouble is we think what's on the other side of that is less less Mm. abundance less money less um success like we think it's black and white like that but actually look at where you're at now you're earning more money than you ever did before Mm. you're living in a tropical paradise uh, like bali we would pay so much money to go on a two-week holiday here wouldn't we back in london but you're living here Mm. you get to sunbathe in the morning you get to surf in the morning all those things you were saying at the start you get to um make a jewelry line on the side then build that into this amazing lifestyle brand it's like that to me is not less like that is yeah. like a massively abundant life not just monetary but also fulfillment and happiness and all these though all of those important things as well it's a reframing though because i'm about to go back to europe um for the first time in a year in a couple of weeks and i'm really nervous because i don't have those like what 
like British standards of like society mm. view as uh, achievement as in like I don't have a two-bed house in Earlsfield mm. with a husband with a baby on the way with my pension plan and a mortgage like that is kind of what like success looks like back at home mm. but then that's on me to be like not be defined by that like that's something I'm working on and I like do know that people look at me and I'm sure you know I get told a lot I live the dream and I find that she's another like therapy buzzword I find that really triggering I'm mm. like this isn't like a dream like I didn't fall asleep and like fall onto a plane and wake up in Bali like I have like built this lifestyle for myself and mm-hmm. I think it's just realizing like you say I'm not on this like career path trajectory that I was on before where it was like let's get to the next like promotion on the ladder or the bonus or the bigger clients or whatever thank god I stepped off that ladder because that was not fulfilling me and the job I'm in now is great like I'm still the same I'm still the same position I'm still an account director I haven't progressed in seniority but I've realized I don't that doesn't bother me anymore Mm. I'm good at my job it's it it does challenge me but it doesn't like push me over challenge me and then that gives me energy to put energy into my own business mm-hmm. which is more fulfilling mm-hmm. yeah totally I think that's to me actually on on the back of that I'm really interested in hearing what are the things that you define as success now oh yeah that's really interesting um what oh good question <laughs> it's hard because there is still part of me that like can't override the like the wanting to own a home have a husband have a mortgage have a settled life but also like I love my nomadic untied like I've got so much freedom Mm. I quite literally could live anywhere like I don't think I could do a drastically different time zone than eight hours from the UK that's harder with this current job but like look at the moment I'm gonna like take a flat in Lisbon for May and try living in Lisbon and like Madrid also appeals so I might go to Madrid in June so like success for me it looks like just carrying on living my life in a way that works for me and my energy levels like I love that I don't have to pay my rent with my jewelry business at the moment but I want to keep growing it and growing it so it's like a nice steady stream of income and it's a creative outlet for me and I think success looks like just carrying on having that amazing creative outlet and supporting my suppliers here in Bali and yeah just being able to like live my life how I want it to like at the moment I really wake up when I want to wake up I can exercise when I want to I can have meetings when I want to and then I have I just have enough money like I don't need I don't need to be buying like a Range Rover but I live a pretty good life on three days a week. Mm. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's beautiful. And I think what I'm hearing is it's like you've taken you've taken the factors that used to be very external measures and now the factors are more internal. Like they're how you feel. That's the measure. It's how you feel. It's not really about um, what you have, these mm. material things. Yeah, I'd say like words that come up for me like when I think about what I want because I am like I'm constantly kind of like framing this as well because like Bali is home but it's not my 100% home because I really love and miss my family and friends back in the UK and I you know I miss weddings and babies happening and things like that but like the big thing that like keeps coming back for me is like balance like I had no balance in my London life whereas like I am in I am in total control of my balance now like if my like for example my energy is not great this week so I'm gonna have to like remove some stuff from my calendar and that's okay Mm. or maybe say to my boss I'm only gonna work a half day on Wednesday because I'm struggling with my energy so balance and like um freedom Mm. like really like I did not feel free in London and like I have like unlimited holiday (laughs) you know never working a Friday I remember saying to my friend like how I'm so aware I must sound so obnoxious but like I don't intend to work a Friday ever again. Mm. Yeah. And how is like how is your happiness now compared to back then? Well, great because every choice I make is for me. Which is hard as well sometimes because then when somebody else comes into your life, you've then got to kind of then balance that. But like as in terms of my happiness, like 
I just do things which make me happy. Like, you know, in Bali, you can, I can eat whatever food. It's almost overwhelming happiness. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, the sunsets don't get old. Like, the sunsets don't get old. The beach walks, the amazing food. You know, I just feel so lucky. People are so important to me. And my friendships are, like, super important to me. And I love that, like, because everybody lives a flexible lifestyle out here, I can have a coffee with anyone or go for dinner with someone at the drop of the hat. Whereas in London, I'd have to book that in, honestly, weeks in advance, like I said. <laughs> yeah, I remember we were talking about this, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, Before. because everyone's working. And I totally respect that as well. Like, you work so hard, so in the evenings, you probably don't have time to see someone. So you could probably only see them at a weekend. And, like, if you're a couple, that's balancing both your friendships groups and factoring in things like weddings. And it's like, where is the time for mm. just, like, a coffee catch-up with a friend? Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a slower pace of life here in a good way. Yeah. But then I also think it's orchestrated by us. It's you dictate the pace because you have so much more flexibility here. Um, yeah, I think that's beautiful, and I'm so I'm so happy for you that you have found this way of living and you you know your journey of quite a hardship of like experiencing this chronic fatigue mm. led you to finding this amazingly positive way of living instead yeah no I think it's like yeah coming back to feeling like I'm on how to fail <laughs> it's like <laughs> one day you're going to be charting <laughs> maybe I'll change the name of this thing. podcast <laughs> <laughs> no but I do feel like like I don't feel I failed but I do feel like uh sometimes I have an out-of-body experience talking about the fatigue because it is something I still struggle with but I can look back on it with distance and I can look on back on it with like massive gratitude like oh my god my life imploded like you know I had to like get rid of my job my career my friends my flat broke up with my boyfriend moved in with my parents like I really like on paper had nothing but it's given me the chance to like boom recalibrate entirely because I was so untethered and now I'm just really grateful that I managed to like recalibrate in my 20s um and it just like hopefully inspires people that they can too yeah i think that when your body implodes like that that's the start of the decline as well if you don't stop at that point yeah. it's something really i mean that's dangerous as it is but something really dangerous is mm. coming so like i really think that it's amazing that you took that time you went on this whole journey you came to bali and you didn't step straight back into it when you felt better like you you changed how you were living and you said you created your own boundaries and now now look at this vibrant life that you're living mm. so I think it's really inspiring and um Thanks, Susie. yeah and I just want to <laughs> I want to wrap it up now and just say thank you so much for coming on the podcast and you're I so hope welcome. I hope the listeners got a lot out of that I hope that um some of you if you're feeling stressed and drained and it's starting to affect you that maybe Camilla's helped you realize that you probably should listen and maybe give yourself permission to do something about it just in case um we don't want to do a Camilla like you no, god like it's gonna be on a bloody t-shirt or bumper joking. sticker don't do a Camilla no don't worry I take that and also like just to say as well like people do reach out to me a lot so not to do too much self-promotion no but I would love you to say where they can find you yeah well yeah so my brand is called Chantique which mm-hmm. means beautiful female thing in Bahasa Amazing. Indonesia um, and it's all inspired and created and handmade in Bali we support like a number of different suppliers um, who I all know personally um, and yeah we're just like creating beautiful things with beautiful people and every sale we donate to a charity that I work with out here um, so you can find us at Chantique by Camilla on Instagram and like I run the account so if you ever want to slide into my DMs and say can we have a chat about fatigue so many people help me through fatigue just with like writing me emails of their experiences like I'm always happy to help with someone going through this because it just helps amazing yeah thank you so much for offering that that's so kind um I will also put the links in the show notes for you to have a look at Chantique's Instagram and also the website because the pieces are beautiful and also just you get to see Bali life and that's always I always (laughs) remember like being able to see these beautiful pictures of paradise when I was in the office. Like, I, some people were like, oh, God, I don't want to see it. It depresses mm. me. However, like, for me, I just love to see that kind of beautiful side to life, so. Well, I'm trying to 
like as well because my name's on the brand as well and it's kind of about me I'm trying to bring it about me and my journey a bit more so I'm trying to show like my interactions with my suppliers what my life looks like or like just keeping it real and being like I'm working at 1am to fund this business as well do you know what I mean so yeah if you're interested in kind of like how I do this and kind of the journey that I'm on we call it a journey of jewelry and island life um yeah like hop on and see what we're up to yeah an amazing example of female leadership in an unconventional way oh you're going cry <laughs> <laughs> thanks Camilla thanks Susie are you loving this interview today and want more from the collective have you signed up to our weekly newsletter yet It's the newsletter I wish I'd had three years ago and I've taken everything I've learned and packed it into an intimate, informative and inspirational email for the community. It's totally free to subscribe to. The link is in the show notes or go to our Instagram and click on the link in the bio. Each week you can make a cuppa and read through my founder's journal, our community news, our latest podcast interview, our handpicked dream remote jobs list my handpicked crypto and blockchain jobs list and tips for starting a business and going freelance sign up to our weekly newsletter to learn be inspired and just join part of our community i'm so excited to bring all of you amazing female leaders together and start this conversation with each other to sign up go to the link in the show notes or go to our instagram and click on the link in our bio